Hopefully you found your place in Acts chapter number 18 uh, by now, last, uh, not last Wednesday because uh, we had sickness and I wasn't here, we had revival and all of that. But the Wednesday uh, before we preached about hindrances that stop Christians and we talked about uh, what stops people from uh, serving the Lord, what stops them from going forward and we, we found that Paul was in a place now in Corinth where uh, Paul's in a situation that he's not been in really before. He uh, was preaching and you know he's done that and he began to preach there to the Jews and uh, the Jews began to uh, again persecute him like they always do and they bring him before the, uh, they bring him uh, up and they set him in front of the magistrate as you would or the judge of that time and uh, they try to accuse him and Galileo says to them, listen, um, you're wasting my time, this guy's not doing anything wrong. And the law now is on Paul's side. And Paul's not used to that. Uh, he's used to the law punishing him or putting him in prison or uh, just running him down the road or allowing people to stone him or whatever it may be. And so Paul is in an area right now where uh, he has some comfort. And uh, not only does he have the uh, judge there on his side, but he also has some companions uh, there, Aquila and Priscilla, that are there, and they also are tent makers like he is. And so they, he had a craft and a job that he could do uh, in Corinth here. And so he had a career, and oftentimes we allow our careers to stop us from serving God. There's a lot of people that put more emphasis on their career than they do their Savior. And that's a, a sad society understanding that our our Savior, our Creator, the one who uh, not only created us from the dust of the ground, but saved us, pulled us up out of the muck and the mire of this world and set our feet upon a rock when we got saved, that same God is the one who gives us our careers. But oftentimes we try to elevate the career above the Savior. And so Paul had a career uh, here, not only in preaching, but he was able to make tents and he had some companions uh, that were there and he had some comfort that was there, and he also uh, had some criticism. Paul was kind of used to that, though. Uh, he was used to the criticism and things like that. But those are areas that we can allow to get in our way if we're not careful. And so in the first uh, 22 verses of this passage, we went through and we talked about those hindrances that stop us. We allow things like popularity and position and prestige and all of those things to hinder our walk with God because we end up allowing it to put us in the spotlight rather than elevating God where he's supposed to be. And our life is not about us being in the spotlight. Our life is about hiding in the shadow of the Almighty so that God is exalted and he is seen amongst our nation. I had the privilege this week on Monday evening, went down to Clinton, Maryland, to the Independent Baptist Church in Clinton, Maryland. They host every year what's called a Capital Connection where preachers from all across the country come and uh, certain people come and we have opportunity to make appointments with our legislators and we go in as uh, delegates from our state and there was 12 of us from our state that got to go sit down with uh, our senator, uh, Shelley Moore Capito, and also with Joe Manchin and we got to sit down and actually have a 25-minute conversation with them. We also had the opportunity for the House of Representatives, our district representative, 
which is Alex Mooney. We had the opportunity to speak to him for uh, several times and pray with him and uh, pray with our leaders. And you know, what was uh, exciting to me was the wave that we don't see on the news. The positive movement for Christianity that we don't see uh, in, on the news channels and things like that. See, oftentimes we're focused on and what's on the news right now is fear and uh, trying to scare people into this or that. And listen, I'm not trying to belittle all the situations that are going on, but understand this, we have to have faith in God. It's not our government that's going to help us. It's not any of that. And as I was speaking with our Senator Manchin, what he even made this statement and it really shocked me. I almost had to slap myself to see if I was in the same room with this guy was he said to us he said preachers it's not whether you have a d or an r in front of your name he said that's really not what's going to change our country it doesn't matter what political affiliation that you're with whether it's the democratic side or the republican side he said preachers what you guys are preaching is what's going to change our country and as i begin to Think about, well, in my mind, my flesh began to think, well, he's just trying to sell us politically, you know, and all of this stuff. But in the the brief time of talking with him, there was something that came across to realize that even our legislators know that God's the only one that can change things. God's the only one that can change things. And I wish God's people that are uh, supposed to be uh, sold out for him would just grab a hold of this thing and understand that the only way we're going to take our nation back for God is to quit allowing these other things to hinder us in our service for him. But here we are at the end of Acts chapter number 18, and I'll talk a little more about that at a later date, just some of the things that I think would encourage you. Uh, One, I will let you know is there was something that passed in our state house of representatives uh, that we were just made aware of and uh, i don't know if you know this or not but there have been four independent baptist preachers that have been put into the house of representatives in charleston uh jim justice appointed one of them and there's three others that have been actually ran for that seat as preachers to run for that seat to get some Bible back into our capital, and they won. So there's four of them, but there was Kevin Bartlett was the one that was appointed by Jim Justice, and he came up with a bill called the Bible Bill. And the Bible Bill is to make it mandatory for public schools to teach the Bible in public schools. To actually teach that as a curriculum class where kids have the opportunity to learn about the Bible and choose whether they want to believe it or not. And so it's an opportunity for Christianity to be in our public schools. And I think it's wonderful. I think it's great that that kind of stuff happens. Listen, we we have to understand that God's in control. And if we'll just follow him and do what he wants us to do, there's no telling what can happen in our nation. But here we are in chapter number 18, and we're going to start looking at verse number 23. The Bible says, And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently 
the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of, Jesus, uh, of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass uh, to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. That Jesus was Christ. As I was looking at this, and as I was going through these passages of scriptures, I'm going to begin to read again, and there's going to be a phrase in verse 25 that I want you to see. Verse 25, this phrase jumped off the page at me. It's the first line that we see. It said, this man was instructed, and it says this, in the way of the Lord. In the way of the Lord. And as I thought about the title of the message tonight, what can I preach to you this evening? I want to preach about the way of the Lord in our lives. The way of the Lord in our lives. What is God's way for you and I? And we're going to talk about that tonight. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house tonight. Lord, I stand where the arm of the flesh will fail me. I need your help and I need your touch tonight. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you please to be thick in this place. Lord, I know there's many sick. We are few in numbers tonight. But Lord, even those that are here, Lord, you knew they were going to be here before they even came. Lord, you put this on my heart tonight knowing exactly who was going to be under the sound of my voice this evening. Lord, I pray that they'll not hear from Dan Caldwell tonight, but they'll hear from the Holy Spirit of God this evening. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity I've had the last couple days to go on the behalf of Faith Baptist Church and try to uh, put some good into the lives of our county, or of, our, of our state capital and things like that as we begin to pray for our legislators and our, um, those that are our president and those that are, uh, Lord, just under fire all the time for trying to do right. And uh, Lord, those that aren't doing right to let them know that we are praying for them, but that God is the only way. And Lord, help us never to be silent about that, to go forward and say those things. But Lord, that your way will be the only way that people choose. And Lord, as we preach tonight on the way of the Lord, I pray that you'll help us to open our hearts to your way in our lives. And Lord, that we'll follow it, we'll embrace it, we'll make it our own tonight. And Lord, if there's any under the sound of my voice that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. Lord, we'll give you the praise, the honor, and glory for it. Lord, uh, bless those that are sick. Help them to get better soon. And Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are now, Paul. Uh, we've talked about Paul, the Apostle Paul, in my opinion, one of the greatest Christians in all of the Bible other than Jesus Christ. I love the Apostle Paul. I love his boldness. I love his tenacity. I love his zeal for God. But we're going to talk about some of that tonight. And now Paul, it said in verse 22, when he had landed in Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And now Paul's not there, but Aquila and Priscilla are still in this area. And look what happened, verse 23. And after he had spent some time there, it says he departed now and went over the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening the disciples. So Paul's carrying on, right? 
doing what he's always done. He preaches, gets disciples. Now he's going to check on other ones and strengthen those disciples, make sure they're getting discipled. And he's going back and he's, he's checking on these places in order that he's been to before. And he's trying to help make more disciples and strengthen them. But now it's talking about a certain Jew named Apollos who was born at Alexandria. It says an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. And we're going to talk about Apollos here. We're going to mention some things about his life that we see and we're going to take some application out of this passage of scripture and use it not only of Apollos' life as we see it, but to apply it to our lives tonight. And anytime you go to the Bible, God placed it there on purpose. You need to understand what it's there for. And God gave it so that you and I can have an idea of what it is that he wants you and I to do. Not everything in the Bible uh, was, there were certain things that were written to the Jews and certain things that were written uh, for this person or that person, but it's all together collectively to point all of us to who God is. It's what it's there for. And God placed it here for our learning and for our remembrance. Here's Apollos. It says, this man, this certain Jew named Apollos that was born at Alexandria, it said he was an eloquent man. He was an eloquent man. It says that he was mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. And this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Now listen, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. This man had been saved. He's now coming here to uh, just move on with his life, and guess what? He's excited. He's excited about some things. And you say, how do you know that? Because we're going to see here in a minute what it says. It says that he came and he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Here this guy, you say, well, he taught all these things. He must have known so much about Scripture. It says, knowing only the baptism of John. And then it says later that Aquila and Priscilla even have to take him and try to instruct him better on what he's saying. You know what I see in Apollos' life? That Apollos, even though he's an eloquent man... He's a man that's coming here now and he's just proclaiming some things that every one of us need to know. I want you to quickly flip over to the Gospel of John, if you would, uh, chapter number 8. John, chapter number 8. The Gospel of John, chapter number 8. We are going to use our Bibles a little bit tonight. Hope you don't mind that. John, chapter number 8. And verse 31 and 32. The Bible says this, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So what is this proclamation that uh, I believe Apollos is coming and teaching everybody? It says he knows only the baptism of John. What he's saying is, I believe he said this, that I know the truth. The truth that set me free, Jesus, is who you need to know. He's preaching Jesus. You say, how do you know that? Because even at the very bottom, verse 28, he says this, and that publicly he was showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. That Jesus was Christ. Here, Apollos comes and he's uh, in this area and he's 
preaching and teaching, basically, the things that he, he knew about the Lord. So it said that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Here's the thing, firstly, I want you to see about his life that I think needs to be applied to every one of us. It says in this passage of Scripture that when he came here, he was mighty in the Scriptures. Mighty in the Scriptures. What's that mean? Firstly, we need to be focused on the Scripture. Focused on the Scriptures. A Christian is only as strong as his relationship with God's Word. You say, what do you mean? Somebody who only frequents the Word of God on Sunday morning in church or Sunday night in church, Wednesday night in church, is that strong of a Christian. But one that that focuses on it on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday is going to be one of those Christians, those believers that is focused on the Word of God, that's putting on the whole armor of God, and they're able to accomplish things that are impossible for us to accomplish by ourselves. Why? Because they're resting and focusing on the Word of God. Here this guy comes and he says that he was in the Word, he was mighty in the Scriptures, and he came to Ephesus. And it said that this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and you know what? He was given some instruction on what he was supposed to do. The way of the Lord. What is the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I don't believe that Apollos was a, uh, had a master's degree in theology when he came here. I don't believe that. I believe he just knew he was saved. He knew he'd been baptized. He knew what he was heard from about John. And he knew what Jesus, who Jesus was. And he comes and he was a student of the word. Began to focus on the scriptures. And in all of that he was saying this. You need to know truth. You need to know truth. See if every one of us will begin to just live truth. And preach truth. We can see a nation get out of bondage again. Why? Because it's the truth of the Word of God that sets us free. It's the truth of the Bible that sets us free. It says he was instructed in the way of the Lord. You know, the way of the Lord in my life and your life is this, that you first off, you're focused on the Scriptures. If I were to ask you, and I won't do this, I don't want to embarrass anyone, but if I were to come around and say, how much time do you spend in the Bible in a week? I'm not talking about in church when you're opening it, listening to the preacher. I'm talking about how much time do you spend in the Word of God. I wonder if we put that on a scale next to our time on social media, which one would lose the battle. I wonder if we put it on the scale of how much time... Listen, I'm not saying that we ought to neglect everything else around us and 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not lift our head up off of the Bible, but it would do a lot of us a whole lot more good if we would just purpose every day to get focused on the Scriptures and get into the Bible and allow it to be a a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and let it establish our goings and let us see the, the direction that God wants us to be going in. It's very difficult for us to follow a God who we're not seeing on a regular basis it's difficult in fact i would dare say it's impossible to follow god if you're not in his word and focused on the scriptures if you're not focused on the scriptures 
There's a lot of people that think that it's more important to have a career, as we talked about in the early part of uh, chapter 18. They want to focus on their finances. And by the way, I think you ought to be a good steward. I think you ought to, you ought to be a diligent st- steward in that area. But there's so many people, that's all they're living for. They're focusing on their pension plan one day. They're focusing on uh, where they're going to be able to vacation later on. They're focusing on all of that, but they can gain all of that and gain the whole world and not know Jesus Christ. And the Bible says they are not successful. They're a life that's wasted. See, what made Apollos someone that was uh, exciting to be around was this. He was focused on the scriptures. He was focused on it. He saw it. He knew what it was all about. It said he was mighty in the scriptures. I wonder if that would be, what a testimony Apollos has. I mean, I believe it's true. Why? Because God wrote it in his book. He said, here comes Apollos now to Ephesus, and he said he was mighty in the scriptures. Brother Guy, I don't know about you, but I want to have that testimony with God. I want to have the kind of testimony that when God looks down at me and says, hey, Dan Caldwell was mighty in the scriptures. Not that I want to be elevated for somebody to pat me on the back, but I want to focus in such a way that I can see God and where he goes and what direction he wants me to go in. That's vital for my family, that I know where God is. It's vital for this church that I focus on the scriptures and know where God is. It's vital for my own life that I focus on the scriptures and know where God is. It's very important for us to know this. We need to be in the word. We need to be in the word. Look at 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. First Timothy 4, 11. Look what it says. He's going through all of these things and he's talking about laboring and all of those. And he says this, these things command and teach. He said, there's some things you need to teach. Well, how are you going to teach it? How are you going to teach it if you don't know what it is? How are you going to be able to teach something to somebody else if you're not focused on the scriptures yourself? See, every one of us are commanded to be a teacher. You say, where does it say that? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Let's look at it. I want you to see it. Matthew chapter 28. God doesn't call everybody to pastor a church. But he calls every one of his children to be a teacher. Look what the Bible says. And Jesus came and spake unto them, look at verse 18, saying, All power, did he say some power? Did he say only a little bit of power? No. He says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You know what he's stating there? He's stating an obvious thing that I am the ruler of all. I have all power. What I'm about to say next, there is no option to. Because I have all power. This is not a request that I'm making to you. Because I have all power. This is a command that you must obey. Because I have all power. 
Look what he says. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in what? The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe some things that are convenient for their life, teaching them to observe only the things that they want to choose. No, remember, he said all power. That means everything after it is a must. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. What the Almighty God is saying in that passage of Scripture is this. As a believer in Christ, you need to go and teach people the truths of my word, but you're not going to be able to do it if you're not focused on the Scriptures. Why do we not have a discipleship program that it seems in our, in our churches today? Why is it so difficult for us to see uh, folks saved and then all of a sudden somebody just grab a hold of them and take them to the Word of God and say, hey, let me show you what God says is next. Let me show you what the Bible said. Now that you're saved, the Bible talks about being baptized. It talks about being baptized after our salvation because that's God's plan because it's not baptism first, then salvation. God's plan is salvation, then baptism. And baptism isn't there for your salvation. It doesn't get you saved. Baptism identifies you in the family of God. It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we take them to the Bible and we show them the truths of it because we're focused on the scriptures. And then we tell them about, hey, once you're saved and baptized, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to go and tell them. Well, hold on a second. I'm not even, uh, how can I be a teacher? I, I just got saved myself. Listen, if you're saved, you can teach somebody how you got saved. You can teach somebody how you got saved. You know what you do? You say, hey, guess what? You got to realize something, that you're a sinner. The Bible says we're all sinners. You got to realize that our sin had a penalty that we could not pay and realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his perfect, innocent God blood because of my sin and because of your sin. And he died, was buried, rose again, conquered death, hell, and the grave, offers life freely to anyone who will receive it. And all you have to do is exercise faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Guess what? You can be a teacher in that. It said he knew only the baptism of John. But you know what? He was eloquent in it, man. He was teaching it. Why? Because that's what he knew. That's what he knew. He was an example of what a believer ought to be. He was focused on the scriptures. He was focused on the scriptures. But look at verse 23 of our text here again in Acts chapter 18. It says, and after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the country of Galatia and Perea and strengthening all the disciples. See, Paul was a good example, wasn't he? Of what we ought to do. Strengthening the disciples. You know what my job as a pastor is to do? Strengthen disciples. Try to win the lost. But when people get saved, it's my job to be focused on the scriptures that I can help strengthen disciples. Teach them what they're supposed to do. But you got to know the truth. you got to know it and be in the Word. Be focused on it. But look what it says. Keep going. It says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And look what it says, the next phrase. 
being fervent in spirit. Being fervent in the spirit. So not only was he focused on the scriptures, he was fervent in the spirit. You say, what's it mean to be fervent in the spirit? The word fervent in that passage of scripture means this, boiling over, glowing, passionate, zealous. That's what it means. So wait a second, this guy here, he was fervent in the spirit. You know what he's saying is, I really am enjoying being a Christian. I'm zealous in the things of God. I'm not sitting in church with the poochy lip disease because I had to be saved. No, I got to be saved. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't have to spend one second in hell. He was that kind of guy that sits on the front row, shouts, waves his little hanky, does all those kind of things. He was zealous for the Lord. He was zealous, fervent in the spirit. By the way, if you're saved in this room today, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be excited about. You know, I heard a preacher say something recently that really stuck home with me, brother guy. He said this, that our our churches would quit going over the charismatic churches if there was some more life in us. And I thought, you know what? We have the life of the Lord Jesus Christ inside of us. The Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of us. And we ought to be zealous about that. We ought to be excited, boiling over, glowing like a light bulb, shining everywhere we go in this dark world. Why? Because we're a sinner saved by grace because of what Jesus Christ did. And we ought to get excited about it and tell everybody we know about that Savior. Listen, he was zealous for the Lord. He was zealous, excited about it. Take your Bibles, if you would, to Titus, the book of Titus. Chapter 2, Titus chapter number 2, look at verse 13 and following, actually let's jump up to verse 12, actually I like verse 11 too, let's jump up there, it's all good, it don't matter where you look, it's all good, verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. And we can stop there, shout the rooftop off, close our Bibles, go home, be excited about it, and say, listen, the grace of God that bringeth men to salvation. Aren't you you glad for that? Aren't you glad for the, the salvation of the Lord? It says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. In this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. You know what he's saying is, because of the grace of God that's appeared to all men, the salvation that you and I have experienced... That we ought to be looking for that blessed hope. Looking for the day that our Savior comes back. But in the meantime, we're running as fast as we can run. We're running that race for the Lord. We're not slowing down any at all. We're winning as many people as we can. Sticking our tongue out at the devil and running, uh, getting more of them. That's what we ought to be doing. fact of the matter is, though, we get saved and we think, well, now what am I going to do? we got to be zealous. For the Lord. 
fervent in the Spirit. Let's get fervent about the things of God. Get excited about the Word of God. Let's focus on the Scriptures. Get fervent in the Spirit. There's some life inside of us. The life of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, the eternal life that we, get, we gained, that salvation is, a, is there for us. And listen, we ought not to walk around like we're dead. We ought not to be in a church that's so dead that if somebody had a heart attack, it'd take the ambulance and the paramedics six people before they found the right person. Listen, we ought to be zealous about the Lord. It's okay to say Amen. It's okay to say hallelujah. It's okay to say glory to God. It's okay to get excited when somebody talks about the Savior. It's okay. Why? Because we ought to be zealous, fervent in the Spirit. He was zealous. And look what it said, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Then you know what it says? These things speak and exhort, and rebuke. Look what the next three words are. With all authority. You know what he's telling us? You have the authority of God on this book to tell people you ought to be zealous for God. You ought to be zealous for God. We'll get excited. We'll scream, shout, hang from the chandelier, swing around, do a cartwheel, all these things when our sports team does good. What about when somebody trusts Jesus as their Savior? You know what? I had the awesome experience this morning. you mind if I tell folks what happened today? The awesome experience this morning. I preached chapel over at Martinsburg Christian Academy today. And three young men got their salvation taken care of. One young man got saved. Carl got assurance of his salvation today. Praise the Lord for that. Another boy, Dakota, got assurance of his salvation. You know what? There was something happening inside of me. I was getting excited about that. You know why? Because they're not on their way to hell. And I can be excited about that. We can be zealous about that. Instead of saying, oh, good job. No. Hey, he was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost and is found. He was blind, but now he sees. Guess what? We can get excited about that. Maybe other people would want what we have. We acted like it's something great that we got. We ought to be zealous of it. And God says this, with all authority, tell folks, you ought to be excited about serving the Lord. You ought to be excited about it. Zealous. He spoke and taught. Guess what? He was a straight shooter. He didn't, what, he just taught what he knew. Said what he knew. You say, well, what am I supposed to tell people? Tell them what you know. That's facts from Scripture. Tell them what you know. But be a student of the word and gain more knowledge that you're able to tell more about what God did. Listen, tell what you do know. Salvation is by grace through faith. How do you know God says so? Right here. I was saved because I trusted in Jesus Christ, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but only according to his mercy that he saved us. How do you know the Bible says that? And you get excited about it. You ever walked up to somebody and asked them if they knew they were going to heaven? And they ever responded to you, say, um, well, you don't look very happy about it. There was a time I walked up to a teenager one day and I said, hey, uh, are you saved on your way to heaven? They said, yeah. I said, well, I'm sorry. 
And they said, what do you mean you're sorry? I said, well, you acted like it's a bad thing. You said, oh, yeah. No, you understand, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. You're not drowning in the muck and the mire of sin anymore. Your feet have been placed on a rock. He's established your going. Put a new song in your heart, even praising to your God. And we ought to sing, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And when we're singing those songs, guess what? It ought not to be, Love fought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. But that's what I see a lot standing up here. I see people that claim to be Christians. And you know what they do when we sing songs about Zion? We sing on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, an emblem of suffering and shame. They act as if you're asking them to get up and give a public speech in front of thousands of people. And they think, I can't do that. I, you understand? He didn't have to come to this earth and die our punishment on the cross. He didn't have to do that. He did that willingly for you and I. And guess what? We ought to get excited. He's worthy of our excitement. He's worthy of it. We ought to get excited about it. But you know what? He was bold. They were bold. And we ought to be bold. It's essential. It's essential for us to be bold. I'm not going to go through all the verses. But if you went to Acts 4.13, Acts 9.27, Acts 13.46, Acts 14.3, Acts 18.26, where we're at, all these verses talk about boldness. Being bold for the Lord. Here's what it says. Here he comes in. Look back to our text in Acts. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. And no man knew he was a Christian. Because he kept it all to himself and hid it under his coat, coattail. Is that what the Bible says? No. Look what happens. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent, bubbling over, zealous in spirit, spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue whom Aquila and Priscilla had heard. And they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. You know what they said? Hey, we got to get some of these rough edges off. We've been with Paul. Paul's been helping us. We're going to help you. Man, what you're saying, we understand is right. He's, I look at Apollos as that guy that just said, you know what? It's like saying, sick him to a bulldog. You give him the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. That's just what he was going to do. And he may have been a little rough around the edges. But again, let me tell you what, he was going to tell them. They were going to get the gospel. And Aquila and Priscilla are saying, hey, let's, let's, let's figure out how to refine this a little bit. Be a little bit more, more eloquent in our speech. You're an eloquent man, but let's, let's get a little bit more tact about our statements here. And uh, help you a little bit more perfectly through all of this stuff. It said, and when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he came, he helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So now it's his time to move on to the next place. And he's going there, and he gets a letter. And they take it and says, hey, these disciples say, hey, you want Apollos to help you. This guy's got some zeal for God. This guy has a focus. 
on the scriptures. He's fervent in the spirit. And he comes and he convinces people that Jesus is Christ. How does he do that? Oh, because he had a doctorate's degree? No, because people saw some excitement in his heart. Some people saw some excitement about that boy. They saw Apollos and they said, listen, I don't know what it is that he's got, but what he's got, I want a little bit of it. Because he's just excited about what he's talking about. You know what, if we were to come back and grab our Bibles and go out and talk to people about the Lord and say, let me tell you about what Jesus did for me. Man, the greatest day of my life, let me tell you all about it. I was lost and in my sin, I was on my way to hell. And then guess what? Somebody showed me what the Bible said, that all all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm on my way to hell. And the Bible said the wages of sin is death. And I thought, man, this isn't getting any better for me. Here it is. I'm on my way to hell and I'm going to die an eternal death forever. He said, but the verse didn't stop there. I get a little bit excited because it said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I understood that because even though I was dying and on my way to hell, that there's a verse that says, but God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And because he died for me and he loved me so much that he offered himself freely for me. And he said that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. And when I got into these words and I heard these things and they, they drew me out of who I was and the Holy Spirit said, hey, I love Love you and I want you to be saved and I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Man, my life's never been the same. Instead of walking up and saying, oh, um, if you died today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Okay, well, read this track. I'll talk to you later. Listen, we ought to get some excitement about it. Let's not walk around like we're defeated. We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He says, I will go with you always. I'll be with you always. The one who has all power that's given unto him in heaven and in earth admonishes us to do this work. But you know what? We get too busy. It's about our life, what we want to do. Listen, let me just encourage you. Get focused on the scriptures. You want to find the answers to your problems? Get focused on the scriptures. You want to find the solution That you've been looking for. I promise you you're going to find it. Between Genesis 1-1 and Revelation 22-21. It's there. You got to get focused on it. But then you ought to be fervent in the spirit. Bubbling over. Excited. Zealous. For God. You may say well. I just. I don't know what I can do anymore. You can still be zealous for the Lord. You can still be excited about serving him. You ever thought about what would happen if the people of Faith Baptist Church just got a new spring in their step? Some excitement in their heart about what God has called us to do. Imagine what would happen in the city of Martinsburg and the surrounding areas if we left out of here like we just drank a gallon of energy drink. And we go out there and we just turn the world upside down for God. Just getting excited about it. 
Somebody slams the door in your face. You're like, praise God, I'll go see another one. Just get excited about it. But they shut the door in my face. Well, that's their choice. You just say, hey, there's more fish in the sea. Let's go get them. Now, listen, I think you ought to have a broken heart for somebody who rejects the Lord Jesus. But don't let it steal your joy. Get excited about serving God. And just go on for Him. Go on for Him. The way of the Lord. You know what His way is? For you to be focused on the Scriptures. And to be fervent in the Spirit. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight.